Hey there, welcome back to the Tower Hill Podcast with Pat and Mike Kilner. This is your host, Mike Kilner. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today's big question on the podcast, how big is too big for a real estate team? Listen in as Pat and I discuss the nature of real estate teams today and why the fabled seventh level real estate team, which runs on its own while you kick back on the beach, is so elusive. Good morning, brother. Good morning. How's it going? Very good. Very good. Good to see you first. Uh, I'm doing great. Good. Good. Yeah. Good. It's uh, it's uh, it's spring. No, it's not. But it's it it doesn't feel like spring. But it's 42 degrees outside. Horrible. And we have a friend who moved down to Florida. It's like I kind of get it now. Like this, this, this is bad. There's Mm -hmm. snowflakes still on the forecast forecast for the next week twice. I think my wife almost threw away the computer when she looked at that this morning. Yeah, it's not the computer's fault. It's Poor not. Computer. It's not. But she acted like it. So. Yeah. Well, usually so self-controlled and, and reserved. So. Well, it that it has not. It hasn't slowed down the local real estate market. It is um, not. Yeah, we've had an an early spring here in the DC metro area. I think sure. what it's done is that it has it has kept some inventory back, <clears throat> but buyers are still out there. Oh yeah. And so, um, it is. It is. If you're putting you're putting properties on the market with a purposeful timeline and you're marketing them properly, yeah. they will be gone in the first week. Totally, yeah. I mean, so. multiple offers. It's crazy. It's it's the most robust spring market I think we've seen at least in the last five years um, in terms of demand. So high velocity demand, very very low inventory, rigid supply curve. Um, phenomenal. So if yeah. you're if you're a seller, it's it's great. If you're a buyer, you're you're maybe tearing your hair out and you're looking for a consummate professional. We talk we talk to our agents all the time. They say this is a professional's market when it comes to the buy side mm-hmm. because it requires innovation. Because it requires you to be a great fiduciary in a totally different creative way. Your your people need you. It's awesome. It's phenomenal. Um, yeah. Not so when there's stuff just hanging on the market. You know, and you can go beat up anybody. Um, you, you know, a gr- a great buyer agent now really separates themselves from from the competition um, because, well, you're working hard at it. Yeah, one of the things that I think is is we take for granted a little bit is is the ability of a buyer agent not to write a bad deal, right? So that there's the there in any in any scenario where there's a lot of demand for a low inventory product mm-hmm. right so like a house where there's yeah. only one of them yeah. the the winners right are are end up kind of being the losers mm-hmm. right so it's the it's the winner's dilemma um and like in an auction yeah you were the person who was willing to pay more than anybody else for that product. Yeah. What does that say about the product? Right. And so the dilemma that, that buyer agents need to walk their folks through their buyers through is, um, we may not want to be the highest price offer here unless, because we we might actually be putting you in a bad financial situation, right? Because this may be a temporary, um, valuation mm-hmm. flux because of the demand that's been created for this low inventory. Yeah, a little so, bit of a short-term bubble because of demand. Right. Um, but the nice thing is it's not an artificial bubble. It, there, there's, there's a re- real economic backbone to this, to this one that, that was not the case when things were running up like crazy 
you know, and then years in the aughts, in the aughts, yes, and and so now I think buyers can have confidence as long as they're buying for a longer period of time, right? You're going to get burnt if you're buying in the short term almost right. all the time. You're not, you're, your marginal increases in value are not going to typically be what you need them to be in two, mm-hmm. three, four years. Mm-hmm. Ten years, real estate works better in the long term. See it, see it through. And, and you know, in almost any 10-year period, real estate has increased in the last 100 years. Almost. The last 10 years not have not been that that way in all markets. So because of of the the crazy run up and the artifice of that run up, the artifice of of fake demand, right? We 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 ran it up so high that when when it when it crashed, it crashed so hard that it's it's taken over 10 years to get to get back yeah. to that. I think I think there's a there's sometimes a lack of sort of a a financial intelligence um, because the emotions take over where you, and you purchase a house, you want to believe that it is your biggest asset. Mm. Um, and many times a house is actually until, until it comes time to sell, it is your biggest liability. Absolutely. Right? If you have a mortgage yeah. on that property and you are paying for the expenses related to it and you don't have renters in the basement, mm-hmm. it, it's an expense, right? It, mm-hmm. It's something you're paying into every month. So I think that there's, there needs to be, there is a definitely a need for, for agents, for buyer agents, especially who are fiduciaries who take a very, very proactive, but also a very sober approach. Right. And understand very, very, all these realities. Yeah. There has to be a tr- tremendous amount of trust in their guidance. And that's frankly what we're teaching agents constantly is you have to be absolutely bulletproof, rock solid in your ability to, to understand the market, analyze good investment versus bad investment, where people are exposed to risk and, and make that call. And if it's not right for them to go over a certain amount because of the market dynamics, you have to help them get there. Yeah. There's a great, um, one of my early clients said to me, um, you know, Pat, he, he had done investment all around the world um, for different companies. And he said, you can't compete with stupid money. There's a great line, right? So I'm not, when he was buying a house for himself, he said, I'm not willing to compete with stupid people and their money at, and and here's my assessment. Here's here's where I'm willing to go. I'm not going to go past that because that's that would be imprudent, stupid in his words, um, based on what's right for me and my family. Right. And you have to help them make that ass- that that assessment. You know, somebody else wants it, and and it it's a, there's a greater value to that person for this house. God bless them, but it's not right for us. It would be imprudent for us to, to move forward. And by the way. I, you know, the reality is every buyer that we've ever worked with, even when they lose out on something, part of that process is finding something ultimately that, that, that ends up being better mm-hmm. and it refines their understanding of what better looks like. And, 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 and to, you really need to step back and help them see the big picture, right? There's going to be houses that come on the market. We're going to be here for you. Let me help walk you through that. That's we're actually going to be talking about this, and this was not intended to be a, an advertisement for bulletproof buyers, but we're talking about that on 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 the nineteenth. Um, just because there's such low inventory, 
and and things are moving off the market so quickly. You've got to be competitive. You also have to be rock solid in your assessment of 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 the buyer's needs versus what the market can give them. So that'll be fun. So you're invited if you can make it um, the 19th of April. So, but that's not what we're talking about today, right? So, so I we were going to talk today about sort of a somewhat related but a slightly different topic, and uh, it's a little bit of there's a little bit of conflict here as we were talking about it, different, different opinions about a few things, but, um, the idea is how big is too big to grow a real estate team. Mm. Right. So I think teams, uh, real estate teams are, if you're looking at it from the industry side where we are, right, it's the phenomenon of the last two decades. I would say, right. Um, the, the evolution in the way that, um, well, the devaluation of the broker and the growth of the mega agent, right. With kind of, with ancillary, um, with other agents working as a team. So I think it's, I think there's a lot to explore here, right? So it's a relatively new concept. I, I got in the business 15 years ago and nobody talked to me about, joining a real estate team. It was not in the lexicon. You know, there, there was some, you know, maybe it was out there, but it was not in the common, um, you know, common man's speech of, of people getting their real estate license. That's not what you talked about. Um, it was not offered to me as an opportunity to, to join a real estate team early on in my career. Um, people didn't even talk about that. So, so yeah, it's, it's a very, it's a relatively new phenomenon obviously made wildly popular by multiple books out there and people going and basically failing forward on what a real estate team is and looks like. And, um, and, and now you've got a lot of different models for what teams are and look like in reality, in reality, right? right. There's not just one model for a, a real estate team. And you're seeing that right. Lead generation changes, the talent pool changes the, the level of talent, um, whether whether you have a, a centralized group of administrators or or are they are they are they not local are they are they somewhere in the you know in in Europe or in Asia or something like that um, you've right. got there, there's such a diversity to how these teams have been built um, so I guess I guess to, to, what what is sort of the dream of someone who starts to build a real estate team like what's the goal um, what should the goal be or or, or well well let's what what do people think that they're that they're going to be able to do when they grow this team, right? Gosh, I think the motivation is as varied as the people. But I think the the purest, like if you said, okay, what's the purest form of why somebody should hire their first person? Right? Technically, a team is me plus one, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, okay, so me plus one, at least you know, maybe maybe not different jurisdictions have their own guidelines on, on what this is. Right. But me plus one is a team, if that's the case. Right. Um, so it becomes a team sport at that point, two people. And, and so when do you bring on that person? I think you bring on that person in a perfect world because your lead generation is so darn good that you can't keep up with it. Right. And so there's overflowing of, the need for you to go attend to more leads, 
which is why you bring on your first assistant, right? Right. Um, so as I think that's what, that's how most people begin to form a team, right? Is that they, they are, they're too busy to service, you know, their current clients and incoming clients so that they, so they know that they need to specialize mm-hmm. and just like any corporation, that's why corporations make money. They have a lot of special specialization across the folks that they hire. Yeah. So I think that that's, that's easy. That's an easy concept to understand. Right. But now then you get into the, the kind of growth mindset or the, the growth ideal where it's okay, let's just make it, let's just make it as big as you possibly can. Right. Yeah. Let's make it as big as we possibly can to make as much money as bigger we is better. Can. Right. And, um, and so, you know, what, what so do you do? is any, is any real estate team too big, mm-hmm. right? If that's the concept is if the concept is to just grow, you know, if you've got a nice face, nice brand, it, like you could just make it as big as you want or right? not and a what, nice what's, face. What's, yeah. You, so you can yeah. still do this without a nice face. <laughs> Amazing. I'm proof. <laughs> so <clears throat> no, I, I think, yes, I, I think there is such a thing as too big. It depends on, on the structure, but we're seeing constantly. I, I talked to somebody, a good friend on, on the West coast just earlier this week. And, um, and he said to me, you know, I've, I've had it. He's owned a brokerage, built it up disintegrated it went did a team that you know got too hairy now i'm just on my own i'm just so happy on my own right what was what was wrong there <clears throat> clearly he grew he grew out of what he could of what that team needed to be for him right so i think intention of of how you build a team is really important so clearly and i'm seeing that i've uh, just in the last 5 years i can i can you know, name 10 different teams that I've seen get to a certain point and they are no longer in existence or they've taken on or they, they've gone back to a one or two person reality mm-hmm. where they built to eight, 10 plus, and now they're down to very few um, or rebuilding. They're in a rebuilding phase. I hear this all the time, a rebuilding team. Well, isn't that just, mm-hmm. wouldn't you say that's just market economics? You know, that's how, that's how, creative destruction that's how you know things yeah, are I guess, made you know, and destroyed and yeah i mean not enough not an, that's a ton of stress a ton of stress to 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 keep that up right i think there's you know gary keller made very famous the the idea of the seventh level right um mm. and, and and talked a lot about about what a team could be um but what i'm finding is the seventh level is highly elusive i think the sixth level is highly elusive what does that mean that to to be able to, 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 to wash your hands, if you will, mm-hmm. of your team altogether, walk away and have it actually continue to pay for, pay you is, is, is very, very elusive. I locally, I don't know of anybody outside of, outside of us, right. Um, who's been able to do that. And we, and I could tell you precisely why that is, why we're able to do it is because we found amazingly talented people. And, and, and so I, I don't know that, that uh, most people actually find the right talent hmm. to be able to, to get that type of, of leverage from the day to day, right? So I think, <clears throat> just to take a step back here, I think that the conflict is not actually, right, over how, how large the team is. Hmm. The conflict is over how you build it 
Well, I think also there's this idea that bigger is better necessarily. Like I've got a team and I got 15 people on it. I've got 30 people on it. Right. And, and so there's this idea that, that scale, scale through just multiple more, more bodies is better. Right. We've seen this with brokerages, Mm. right? Hey, it's a, there, it's a recruiting problem. We just need to bring more bodies in here. And in, in the, you know, there's going to be some good bodies and there's going to be some, you know, some casualties, right? right. Okay. Some, well, some gold in that, some in that gold river in, mud. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to get into it. Fine. That's fine. And you know, the biggest brokerages of our time have figured out how to get quality out of quantity. So it's not necessarily a bad business model, but on the way to finding all that quality, most, what we're finding is now fast forward 15 years from when teams started to get into the lexicon of agents, you're finding a lot of failure, a lot of, a, a lot of people who aren't, who aren't able to, to, to build teams um, to the seventh level, to the seventh to level, this. or even to the sixth level and who are finding that the team is now an albatross. So I think you have a couple of models of teams, some heavier albatrosses than others, um, and, but I mean, some that create tremendous freedom. So you have the albatross model and you have the, the, the really free model. Mm-hmm. They're both talking about building great things, great, great structures, right? But what got you to be able to hire your first assistant is not what gets you to, to the sixth or seventh level. And, and, and I think oftentimes there's this mentality. If I just keep generating leads that the team can't fail. Hmm. Right. And that's not necessarily the case. We, we, we know lots of people who are great lead generators whose teams have failed as well. Right. And I think, I think it comes back to kind of the, uh, I think it helps, it would, it would help to define the sixth and seventh level, mm-hmm. right? Because it comes back to the intentionality of why you're building a team to get to those levels. Yeah. Well, and, and I think there's also a question of, you know, the, the intention, right? If your intention in building a team is, I want to go to Bermuda and never touch this thing again. Sounds right? nice. It sounds really nice. Um, there's a few things that, that are implied by that. One is I'm above this, right? Or, or mm-hmm. I, or there's a, there's a huge burden in having to run this team. I'm just done. And so my mm-hmm. goal in life is to be done with working, um, which <clears throat> I, I would ask, did you build the team correctly if that's your goal? Right. And do the folks on your team, are the folks on your team going to, uh, going to kind of attach themselves to that idea? Oh, we're all working here so that Pat can can spend the rest of his life in Bermuda. That's awesome. Yeah, we love that's that that tremendous culture. Right? No, like if the if the if the whole goal that you've set out for yourself is is to not be in production anymore, then you're saying to everyone that you've brought onto the team, that's what you're you're that's you are here to facilitate that. Yeah. Right. And if that doesn't happen, then you know. Yeah. Eh, you well, and and what you do is end up playing a, a it's a personality game, right? Um, and that doesn't work long enough because you're, you're, people are going to see that, you know, you have warts too, right? You've got your own, you know, stuff. So as charismatic as you are, that, that doesn't last. 
So I think that's, there's, there's one side of it that that's that. And um, I think the other is okay. And I think where, where there's a lot of freedom is we want to build an organization that provides tremendous opportunity for the people who are coming on board to lead. That's a very different organization. And you don't see a lot of those because there's a, I think there's a, a real fear that if we allow people to have that type of opportunity, they might take it from us. Mm. They, they actually might take the business from me. The reality is if you actually give people that type of freedom, they, they do, they take the reins from you and they run up the score because of what you've put in place. That's what's so incredibly cool about teams, the, the sort of the, the very small percentage of teams that we're seeing really excel, right? There's some people doing expansion, you know, you know in, in, in all sorts of different ways all over the place, right? Expanding their footprint. Well, how does that happen um, really effectively, right? There's not a lot of, a lot of teams have tried, tried expansion gone. That's a different level of what we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not that that doesn't that doesn't match up. But there's a there are some that are have, have had some great success because they're allowing other people to build really big things as a result of the infrastructure, the culture, and 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 the and the type of organization that they're building. So it's really kind of neat. Yeah. So it's a it's a their platform allows for a lot of freedom rather than uh, you know you're just gonna stay here and do what I tell you to top do. down command and control. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, we're going all, all over the place, but I think that's, that that's, it's important to talk about where those are. Yeah. So what, what are some of the signs do you think of, of a team that has gotten too big in the wrong ways, right? Who has gotten, that has gotten, that has become the albatross team rather than the, the team that allows for tremendous freedom. Yeah. I mean, I think, right. There's always a, a, a problem either with talent or with systems. And so I think you look at both of those. And I think the first is that you have oftentimes what you see is I am, I'm holding a lot of hands. I have too many direct reports. Mm. Um, right. Because oftentimes what you'll see is we call it the baby bird team, right. Mm-hmm. Where you have, it's a very flat organization one really charismatic person who makes all the leads come in and all the baby birds waiting for that person to give them something. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, and, and so very low production per capita in of the baby birds. Right. But that's okay because they're babies. Right. But they stay dependent. It's a very Mm -hmm. dependent model. And so, um, so if the, if the, mama bird, right? That one charismatic person yeah, get, at the top. Yeah, sick or, yeah. right? The, the whole thing comes, comes crumbling down. And, right. and oftentimes what, what I'll hear from people is, gosh, you people who aren't there go, I don't want that type of life. Of course you don't want that type of life, right? That's, you know, that, that's really tough. Um, and so you can make some good money at that because, um, because really you're, you're, the, the person at the top is really doing most of the deals mm-hmm. and the baby birds are, are paying some money to be associated with that person. And so you see this, this type of model all over the United States, um, probably outside of it as well with, with this type of model. And, it, and, and it's, it's, it's people who would be great at running for, for, for Congress, right? Mm-hmm. They're that good in terms of connectivity to people. People like them, great brand, 
it's working really well. They have an engine for lead generation typically yeah. that's just killing it. And so they, they usually have a really high ceiling, high capacity themselves. Absolutely. For work. And so he, but here's what happens is that it disintegrates without that person. So there's a huge dependency on that person and what they do and who they are. And, and usually they're really, really great, reliable people. People trust them really easily. And so, and they feel like they're helping a lot of people, by the way. So you have that, that, that type. Mm-hmm. So you'll hear, I've got too many direct ports. I'm holding a lot of hands. You know, I, I'm doing, you know, you'll find these people ultimately, you know, doing a lot of administrative things, things that they shouldn't be doing mm-hmm. as well. So you see that. Um, or I don't have time to train these people. Right? Did you have another 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 talent problem? Like the first few people that came on, I was like, they were they were with me. I was I was training them. I they 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 thought like me after hanging out with me. Now I've gotten so big that I can't actually train people. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is another topic, but I think if you're going to bring people into the business, you have an obligation to figure out how to make sure that they're really good at what they do. Right? Or if you're going to be the source for somebody who who's having a hard time doing this on their own and you're going to help them. Well, they're going to be, they're going to pull you down. They're going to require a lot of time of you unless you train them how to walk on their own. Right. Um, so I guess the, the baby bird analogy, you know, keeps going. They can't fly on their own. Right. So, so they're, they are super dependent and you, so you end up doing a lot of that legwork for them as well. Um, so those are, those are two of them. I know you, you see this, you know, consulting with people on the administrative side. What do you see on the, on the system side? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a when, you, when you're not growing with the right intentionality, then you, your administrative team never, never finds the right systems. Yeah. Right? And it's usually, it's typically that it, it's actually not, a, not usually a systems problem. It's usually a talent problem. You haven't found the administrative side of the team, mm-hmm. right? That's going to move the ball forward in their own way. Yeah. Right. By creating the systems that work for yeah. the team. Right. So when we talk about, when we talk about sort of the seventh level and we talk about um, what has enabled you and I to focus attention on building tower Hill yeah. the brokerage. Um, there's no way we do that without, I mean, obviously, the, there's a there's a tremendous amount of leadership on the agent side, yeah. but there's no way we do that without our administrative staff, right? Not even. Close. There's no way yeah. we do that without without the two people in particular who make that engine run. Yeah. And they are not. They didn't take the systems that we had in place and say, "All right, I'm going to run these until they break." They said, "We got to find efficiencies." before this stuff breaks down and yeah. our agents start to suffer. Right? And you so, did a great job at allowing them that freedom to do that as well. Right. And so I think there's a, uh, <clears throat> I think, I think the last thing goes back to, to the agent side is there's, you see this on, on some teams where there's a conflict over how leads are distributed. Right. Totally. And there's this, there's a lack of trust that yeah. leads are being distributed. And that's usually when, the dependency model, right? Where there's the rainmaker and the agents is not, the rainmaker isn't producing enough leads or they're producing plenty of leads and these people just aren't closing them, yeah. right? Aren't, aren't closing the appointments. And so you set up this, this scenario where, where folks are wondering, 
how many leads has that person gotten? Why is that person closing more deals than me if we're all equitable? If this is round robin, right? Yeah, yeah. To go go to the that analogy again, right? <laughs> if we're all getting the same, if we're all being distributed the same amount of leads, why am I doing less business, right? And yeah. then there start there's a lot of victim this, language yeah, right. and pointing pointing fingers. Yeah, and that's that's the problem with sort of trying to set up uh, what what is what is in parentheses fair, right? It's it's you know you can set up a meritocracy but don't set up a con- you know don't don't set up you know communism right, right. yeah um so <clears throat> yeah and I, and I think i think that kind of brings us to the point of okay those are all the symptoms of a bad team yeah right and a bad big team how do you how do you um how do you grow kind of a what do you do to grow a sustainable large team where there is a lot of opportunity for the leaders around you and, and in the organization. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think the first thing, like if you're, if you're doing this incrementally um, and I probably should have said this earlier, but you have to look at each hire as if I don't hire a really talented person for this role, there's a huge opportunity cost to growth and to ultimately bottom line, top line revenue, bottom line profit. Right? So if I don't hire this person, we're not going to grow in our lag measure metrics and, and culturally there will be a void in our company. If you can answer those, those questions and say, yeah, we need to find a really talented person for that role. Then, then awesome. You're hiring for that role. Um, and, and, and the opportunity cost is huge not to hire for that role. What we're talking about in these teams that kind of go awry, you know, the baby bird, you know, analogy and whatnot is people aren't even assessing is there an opportunity cost of bringing on somebody mm. right to, to you know and and ultimately it becomes a cost to the business to bring on more people so there's a dimin there's not just a diminishing return on bringing on people because you're not practiced at bringing on the right people right so your first person even if they were really not that great well, they could still pick up a few leads and that was leads that you didn't have, right? So that's why oftentimes people bring on a first buyer's agent. Well, they're doing more than I could have done and I can't sit over every open house on my own and they closed five deals this year. So I'm happier now. I got a little bit extra spending cash. Great. That can't be your mentality if, if what you're doing is trying to build a really big team, mm-hmm. allow opportunity for leaders to grow, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, really thinking about opportunity costs both ways, um, I think is important. And, and so that's the first thing, you know, the, um, can you repeat the question? Just, you know, you, you phrased it really well. So I think, wh- I think what I was getting at is what are we, we kind of, we are looking at what, what those teams that go awry look like, right? So what, yeah. what are the signs of a team that is growing sustainably, right? Where you could actually, the seventh level, mm. right? And, you know, is, can become a reality in the best of ways, right? <clears throat> and so what are the, what's, I guess there's a, there's an intentionality, right? Of the leadership totally. aspect of it. Yeah. And then there's a, there's a hiring aspect to it and there's a systems aspect to it. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to have leaders that aren't making it about themselves. So you see teams that, that, that are that when leaders bring on people, they're willing to sacrifice short-term gains for long-term growth. Mm-hmm. 
So they will allow um, people who they train. I think first they train their people and they have a system to train their people because they can't imagine giving leads, you know, that they're going to step away from to somebody who's not excellent. So right. they have to train them to, to be able to think like them, right. to be able to, to act like them, to hold the standard high. That's, that's first and foremost. Once those people are really well-trained, they allow those people to take ground and to ultimately do more of the client interaction than they're doing, right. which means that they have to be willing to change their job description as the, the founder, right? Your job description has to constantly change. And by the way, sometimes it's not as sexy a job description as going out and knocking down appointments and, and, and being the person on the sign, right? right? Um, and being the person who gets awards, right? The, you're you're going to make way for really talented people to be able to do that ultimately. So the, you're also going to allow, you know, if you've built a, built a relationship-based business, you're going to allow those people to run with those relationships that you've gone and cultivated. And you're going to have to trust them a lot. But goodness, I can't imagine trusting people a lot unless they've been really well-trained, unless I've seen them act and, and be part of the culture and, and contribute um, for, you know, a year, two years. I think the other thing is it doesn't happen overnight, right? You don't just go assemble a team by putting some things on a wall and, and, and hiring somebody who's, who's done this over here and going, all right, you go do it. Right. Right. That doesn't happen. You have to remain the chairman of the board and, and, and what, what do great (laughs) boards do? They are, they, they, they help cast vision. And they don't just help cast vision. They make they ensure that the vision of the company stays on track, which means you're training the leaders, right? You're constantly developing leaders. Leadership is 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 something that can't be overtrained, right? Mm-hmm. So you're constantly in the game of making sure that your leadership is is invested into in that way. You lose your leadership, you will lose your company. You will lose all this. And so you have to be able to trust that these people are getting the right stuff and that they're going to act as you would or better ultimately. Um, so I think those on the talent side, those are the things that I, that, that we've seen um, really, really work. There's no silver bullet to it. Um, and I think the other, the other side of it is the team has to see you. If you're the founder of the team, they have to see not just, you know, apparently that you're working hard, but they have to see you in the trenches and as invested in their, in, in their well-being and their growth and their, in, in, in who they're becoming professionally and personally as your obsession. When that is the case, mm. you're going to have a team that sticks around for a long time. Right. When they don't believe that you are, that you're obsessed with them being excellent for their families in their, in, in, in their physical life and their, you know, in their spiritual life, in every aspect of their life, you know, then, then they can, there's a lot of options for really talented people. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's the intimidation of getting really talented people is they have a lot of options. So they're going to lose, they're going to leave me. I, I, I was talking, same person I was talking to earlier said, well, that's great. You've developed this thing. They're all going to leave you eventually really cynical. Right. And I thought, well, that's, that's a, that's sort of a broad statement if you don't know our culture. Right. Right. And so, 
Um, just because other people haven't been able to do it doesn't mean you can't do it, but it's going to take real leadership and authentic development of, of, of awesome people who, who want your standard as badly as you do. Um, so that's, those are the things I think on the talent level, I don't think on a system level, you correct me if I'm wrong, but you can use all sorts of systems. The talent's going to create the right systems. Um, yeah. And I think, so I think that, um, having, I guess systems, the, the thing that I would say is, is more of a, having a way to, to really track your, your budget, right. And the end and the economics of, of what you're giving away, Mm -hmm. right. As you, as you give people leadership, right. So as you give them, um, right. As you get out of production, mm-hmm. I think it's just, I think, I think it's just the, the biggest sticking point for folks is I get out of production and my margins suffer. My margins suffer. Of course they do. Oh uh, yeah. Because you have to allow people to grow, but, um, your, your percentage margins are always going to suffer <laughs> yeah. in those types of situations, <clears throat> but your overall, right? The actual amount, your, your bottom line profit should grow because Absolutely. you're giving other people opportunity to, to create wealth. Right. Yep. And you should, you know, if you're growing it properly, should have the opportunity to make more wealth. Right. So I think that that's the idea is that people say, well, I, I can't, I can't get out of production because then my money will be gone. Well, also, I don't think they're excited about their next job description. Yeah. I think, I think they probably, for many folks, they use that as the, as the, the, you know, the closest sort of excuse. Well, I'm, I'm just not going to make any money if I do that because I don't think people can close it as well as I do. Yeah. But it's well, also it's, just it, a fear of the unknown of what am I going to do with, you know, with my time if I get out of production. Yeah. Right? Resentment, excuses, victim language, what you mm. constantly hear at that level. And so we also oftentimes talk about that as, you know, that's what happens when people fail out of the business. That's also what, happen, what, what happens when, when, quote, leaders fail to break through the next ceiling, right? That circle of resentment, excuses, you know, maybe we'll wait some extra time and then resignation, right? So I guess I've heard this before. I, I've been doing this long enough. I know that I can go sell more houses. So I guess that's just what I'm going to do. Make some more money, sock it away, put it in the bank. Well, that doesn't sound very exciting to me at all. So if you don't want to be that person, you're going to have to actually force yourself to learn a new skill set as well. Right. Um, Yeah. And I think, and you can't, I think this brings us back to sort of the original point was that you can't have the mentality of, I'm going to build this business so that I can step back and live the life that I actually want to live. Right. You should be living it now. Exactly. This is good stuff. Exactly. This is a blast. Like running business is a blast. And by the way, you're just going to take this same skill set and go run other businesses. If that's what you want. If you get good enough at this, it becomes so much fun that you don't want to retire. That, that being in the game of business should be a blast. Right. So I think that's one of the things that excites me most about real estate is that this is a training ground for how to run other businesses. And it should be. And so, yeah, I think there's this, there's the four hour work week sort of like in the hammock mentality of, you know, <clears throat> of, of, of kicking back. Right. Like that is the goal of life. And no, the goal of life is to have a bigger impact on as many people as possible. 
if that's not the goal of your business early on, you asked about why, why start the business? Why start a team? I think I probably would revise this to say, if you start with the end in mind, which is I've been put on this earth to have a really big impact on as many people as possible. Do I have the right vehicle for that? In building a real estate team, I see a vehicle that I can do that in. Now, I have to have a great lead generation system in order to have the honor of bringing on somebody to help me with all these leads. Mm. First step, right? But then that, that person, I'm going to invest deeply in that person. So that's where it goes. I think when it becomes a purely mercenary idea, you get, you get disintegrating teams. Oh, it's not working out. Resignation wait for better times, greener pastures. And, and, but if the objection, if the objective is, is leadership, the objective is impact on lives. And this goes to another, you know, maybe we can talk about this next time is what is the objective of business? If the objective of business is pure monetary reality, then you're going to you're going to fail at a certain point because your leadership won't catch up with that. Right. So maybe that's next. Sounds like another podcast. Sounds like another podcast down the line. Maybe not next time. All right. You've got your plans. All right. Thanks, brother. Thanks, bro. See you, man. Hey there. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends about us. For feedback on this episode or the podcast in general, email us at podcast at towerhillrealty.com.